0: We have been in a series for the last three weeks. We called it March Miracles, and how beautiful that we get to close out the series on this Resurrection Sunday, celebrating the greatest miracle in the history of humanity. Not that Jesus died, but that he rose from the dead. Come on, let's give it up. Jesus, we bless you. You're magnificent. And so if you're taking notes today, we've titled this, literally, we've titled this message, The God of God. Of miracles. Would you turn that person next to you and say, the God of miracles. And for the last three weeks, we've been studying all the miracles in Scripture and looking at why miracles don't happen sometimes and how God can change us to believe again and work on our faith and also how God's timing is at work in different things. We see the nature and characteristic of God. We've been having so many miraculous things happen in our midst that I thought I would like to encourage you today with a couple of videos from people that are in our congreg- congregation, people just like you and me, just every, everyday dudes and dudettes and how God has done great works in them. And I want to start with a great video uh, testimony from a friend of mine named Winston. He normally sits right there, but he's out of town this week. So let's watch Winston as he tells us about the God miracles in his life.
1: Back in 2007, I was living in California, and uh, career-wise, I really had uh, no direction. But uh, what started out with an idea turned out to be a journey with the Lord that I would say is nothing short of um, a miracle. My family's from Vietnam and, and we moved here in 1975. I was two years old at the time. In 2007, I was living in California and I had the idea of um, to start a frozen yogurt concept in Dallas. I remember getting on my knees and being very raw with the Lord and asking him, Lord, uh, please help us. You know, I was very fearful. None of us had any business experience. We didn't have the funds um, to start the business. But Lord, uh, we're taking a leap of faith and um, please guide us to the right direction, to the right people and to make the right decision. By 2008, we opened up our first location uh, in uh, Uptown Dallas, and by that coming December, it was Christmas. Everything was very slow. Um, People were traveling for the holidays. It was cold, and the concept uh, was uh, very new to a lot of people. So, obviously, business was very slow. And from that, um, I was starting to get pretty fearful again, and I got on my knees and prayed to the Lord, and asked him, please, Lord, please help us do this. And then by the coming year, uh, January, business started picking up. Uh, fortunately, um, one of the girls from D Magazine came, tried out her concept. She loved it and went home and wrote a story about us. And same thing happened with you know, Dallas Observer. Finally, business was picking up. There were lines you know, out the door for hours. And um, I remember that moment just... Taking it in, and I was very tearful, and I was just thanking the Lord, being very grateful for all that He's done, for bringing us through all the obstacles, and for making this happen. I was, I was. Done. Remember, I remember thinking that um, you none know, of this would have been possible without you. Soon enough, um, two national brands were aware of our success. One, in uh, two months later from that summer, opening up quarter-mile from down, down the street. Um, six months later after that, another national brand you know, opening right across from us, um, 15 yards in front of us. Within two years, we had four frozen yogurt shops on the same street. And from that, I remember the Lord spoke to my heart and said, don't worry, just keep your eyes on me. Um, one by one, they all start closing. And eventually, the last national brand that opened right in front of us uh, ended up closing down last year. I, I think back and I remember how far the Lord has brought us, and what He start, uh, He'll He'll end. So He make sure He keep His end, um, and eventually, that's what happened. And through the whole journey, um, I've learned that. Uh, nothing is impossible Uh, the Lord has taught me that uh, to accomplish anything all it takes is perseverance patience and above all faith in him to trust in him and to listen to his voice and follow his direction Uh, but what started off with an idea end up being a journey with the Lord that I will say is nothing short of a miracle
0: Isn't isn't that powerful? Listen, I want you to know the whole theme of this message today is that the God of miracles doesn't just love you because he has to. He likes you for who you are. And that he's given you brilliant ideas and thoughts and things like that. And God's going to do miracles if you'll let him in mind in your life. As we've been studying the God of miracles over the last couple weeks, we get to kind of close out this concept for this month with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the greatest miracle in the history of humanity. And I'd like to kind of revert back to 2,000 years ago or look back to 2,000 years ago on that Friday where literally they crucified Jesus. As you look down into the Passages of scriptures that tell us about the storyline of what was happening. Uh, It it says that they were in Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem normally is occupied by about 100,000 people during this time frame 2,000 years ago. About 100,000 is what Josephus says typically lived in Jerusalem. But this was the Passover that happened once a year at this magnitude. And so millions and millions of Jews would make this long journey for you ex-Catholics. Medjugorje, I mean, they literally are coming from around that known world at that time, because they had been displaced, and they're coming to celebrate the Passover. So you got your cousins living up in your house for these couple of days, you got your nephews, you got grandma sitting over there, and every room is filled with people. Every hotel is packed, every KOA, I mean, every bit of space has people living in it for these three days. And typically, they believe it was somewhere between a million and two million people. So you go from a 100,000 to a million to two million people, it is a buzz Things are happening, and for everybody that's Jewish in that city, what they're doing is they're preparing for this Saturday Passover feast that they're gonna have with their family. They're gonna have this meal together, they're gonna celebrate the God Jehovah whom they serve with all the traditions that their forefathers have handed down. And on that Friday, preparations are going forth all around the city. Jesus Christ is being kidnapped. Actually he gave himself up and they take him that Friday and they standing before Pilate and a small group of maybe five, ten, fifteen thousand people are standing there as Pilate says, Listen, this man has done nothing wrong. He's not done anything wrong. And because of the priest and because of the anger that they had in their heart towards Jesus, they stir the crowd of people up. And the people begin to yell, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate doesn't want to fool with it anymore, so he washes his hands of it and says, it's your problem. You kill him if you want to. I'm not dealing with it. It's your problem. And they take Jesus and they nail him to a cross. But I want to make the point that only a few thousand even have any idea that this is happening that millions are going about their daily routine what they've done every year year after year in their religious duty and i want to warn you and me that if we're not careful god will be having crazy things happen and we miss it cuz we're so busy buying groceries come on somebody we're so busy working our jobs that god is moving on the earth the most the greatest moment in the history of humanity is happening the messiah is being falsely accused being beaten about to be hung on a cross and the rest of society who are there for religious purposes don't even know it's happening. They don't even know it's going on. How many times have I missed what was happening in the things of God because I was so busy, worried about providing for my family. I was so concerned with getting the job and getting this thing happening that I didn't even know God was moving in my life. Are you with me? Say yes. And so they take Jesus and they put him on a cross. And you know the storyline. You saw the Passion of the Christ. They nail his hands and his feet. He's so exhausted because they beat him so much. They beat him with a cat of 39, lashes on his back, cat of nine tails they call it, and literally ripping the flesh from his back. And so he's literally nothing more than just a mess of bloody flesh. And they put that cross beam and they try to get him to go up the hill of Golgotha and he's so exhausted and so beat down with just a little bit of life left in him. He can't even get up the hill all the way and they grab Simon and they make him bring it up the hill for him and then they nail him to it. And as he's, standing, as he's nailed to this cross, many, many, many of a criminal that's nailed to these crosses, they wouldn't even nail them. Sometimes they would just tie them. But as they nail them to this cross, sometimes it would take days so they're for days they're naked on this cross and people would sit there and as they're passing by and laugh at them and make fun of them until they dehydrated until they died off and literally the birds would pick at their flesh but Jesus is so exhausted and he's been beat to the every last little inch of his life that we see the exhaustion on him and I want to pick up in John chapter 21 as we talk about the life of miracles that Jesus lived before there was the cross Jesus came and Lived on this planet and he went from place to place doing supernatural things. In fact, the Bible says it like this in the book of John, chapter uh, 21. Let's put it up there for him. Chapter 21 it says it like this that Jesus did so many miracles. While he was on the planet, that if we put put them all in books, that there wouldn't be enough space on the planet, I'm paraphrasing, to carry all the books. There wouldn't be enough space for all the books. In other words, Jesus was constantly ministering to people. He was constantly doing miracles. I want you to know, not only did he resurrect in miraculous power, but he lived in miraculous power. The Son of God came and took on flesh and dwelt among us. I think that's so cool that God did not come and set up a temple... And then say, listen, on Sundays, come to me and I will minister to you. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Bless myself. Okay, I bless you. He didn't do that. Just the opposite. He went down through the streets. Come on, somebody. He walked down in the hood. He he hung out in apartment complexes with people who were struggling with addictions. Come on, stay with me. And the Bible says he healed them all. They would come to him. And they would, he's sitting with his buddies and, and, and they just had come from another city and people would hear Jesus is here. And they would be knocking on the person's door. Can we come in? Yeah, we hear that Jesus is here. Well, Jesus, is somebody here? Yeah, bring him on in. Jesus, this is, this is my mom. She's got this tumor. They can't fix it. Can, can you do something? Sure, come here, baby girl. Come here. Be, in my name, be healed. And all of a sudden tumors drop off of her. And then someone else hears about it, and they start lining up out of the house. Co- multiple, multiple times in Scripture, it says he ministered to people through the night. There's so many supernatural, miraculous things that he did while he's on this planet that John said we can't even, if we put them in books and wrote them all down, we couldn't, it would fill the earth with all the books. He is the God of miracles. And the reason why this is critical for you today, because as we celebrate his resurrection, I want you to know that he doesn't just do miracles one time for you so that you get to go to heaven. He wants you to live in a life of miracles. He wants to heal your marriage. He wants to deliver the brokenness of your heart. He wants to give you faith again. you say, Pastor, I don't even believe in God anymore. I've been through so much mess, I don't even know if he's really there. Listen, he wants to heal you and give you faith again. He wants to give you the ability to... To lay hands on the sick and see him recover. Life should not be so mundane and depressing and so frustrating. He is the God of miracles. He did miracles on this planet. And now I wanna look here on the cross how he lived in that last moment, the last moments, the last hours of his life, how the miraculous started happening even in that process. In the book of Luke, chapter 23. As they've hung him on the cross, look what it says in verse 44. It says, it was now about the sixth hour, that's about 3 p.m., and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. Verse 45, for the sun stopped shining. Everyone say, the sun stopped shining. Does the Bible say the sun stopped shining? Yes, let's say it with me, say yes. The sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he said this, he breathed his last. So I want you to get a picture of this. At 3 p.m. in the afternoon, all of a sudden, Jesus is in his last hours. God the Father says, enough, and he turns the sun off. It's not some kind of eclipse. This is in the midst of their Passover time. The moon and the stars and all that, and the sun wouldn't have aligned like that. There's no block of the earth. This is that moment where God does something so supernatural. He says, no one's going to watch the last three hours. Click, click, and he turns the light off. There were millions of people who had no idea that Jesus had been falsely accused and was being falsely uh, murdered until a moment when they were going about their day, and pa-pow, it gets dark at 3 p.m. In a moment, it didn't gradually come. In a moment, wah pow, the sun was turned off. God flipped the switch and said, Enough for the next three hours. We're going to wait till my son gives his last breath in total darkness. Let me tell you something. They may not have known what was going on earlier than that, but in that moment, every person sitting in darkness. Can you imagine? Anybody from the country? You know when it's dark? There ain't no city lights like in, in Dallas? I mean, you out in the country, you're like, OMG, it's dar of her. That's why you moved to the city. Can you imagine? All of a sudden, they're lighting lanterns at 3 p.m. What is going on? I don't know. This is crazy. It, this is, it says the whole land, the earth, could not see for those three hours. He turned the lights off. That's our God. Our God says, wait a minute, the last three hours of my son's life on your planet, he's going to have it in solitude. He's not You're not going to watch this whole thing. It's going to be in darkness because I'm going to let you know I'm the God of heaven and earth. And I put the sun in the, in the clouds. I, mean, I put the sun where it's at, and I can turn it off and turn it on when I want to. I can tell the moon when to rise and the oceans where to stop because I am God. And my son is giving his life for you, so everybody watch because I'm turning the, turning the lights off. <laughs> If that wasn 't enough, if that wasn 't enough let 's look what Matthew says happened, and then Matthew records it like this in chapter twenty seven and verse fifty one At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So there was this curtain that stood uh, in in the temple. The Jews would come to worship Jehovah God and they had these different courts and they could come and they could do these different works. But there was an inner inner chamber that only God's presence dwelt in. In olden days they kept the, the Ark of the Covenant there that God's presence dwelt in this space. And there was about a five foot curtain, layer after layer after layer after layer of all of these fabrics. Five foot. And you could not, you literally could not move it. And God's presence was literally protected from humanity's sin. But once a year, the high priest, the holiest of the holiest fellow, would go and he would cleanse himself and he would repent for all of his sins and he would take the sins of humanity of the people of Israel and he would go before the Lord to have them justified and cleansed as they sacrificed animal after animal after animal. And they had little bells on the bottom of his garments and they tied a rope around his leg so that when he went in to the inner circle with God, when he went into the inner chamber. That had he had any unforgiven sin, had he done anything that hadn't been justified yet, and he fell down dead, when they couldn't hear the bells anymore, they start dragging that dude's body out with the rope. And in this holy moment, God the Father takes that curtain and he goes... I will no longer be separated from my people. They don't need a high priest to come and represent them to me. I want a relationship with them myself. Through the sacrifice of my son, they now have freedom to come to me, and I can be their daddy, and they can be my children. This is what he did when he's ripping the curtain. It's from top to bottom. It's not from bottom to top. It's 20 foot tall plus. There's no man strong enough or a group of people big enough to tear this curtain. God himself does it in darkness. And then look what happens. This is going to mess your mind up. Before there ever was a walking dead. Look at what it says right here in verse 52 of Matthew 27. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who have been dead. It says died, but I just like the way dead sounds. Was raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection they went into the holy city and appeared to many people Uh. so you sitting in darkness trying to get lamps going and all of a sudden grandma comes up to the door (laughs) you're like "Uh, uh, how'd that happen (laughs) what just happened Come on, somebody. That's a miracle. Dead people are alive in this holy moment. People don't talk about that. Well, he's raised from the dead. He loves you. He died on the cross. You know, all the rappers wearing little crosses, they don't even know what the effing blanking singing about, but they got their cross on. Let me tell you what the cross was. It was a miraculous moment in history. It's the greatest moment in history because now humanity can come back to the Father all the barriers that have been between us and him have been destroyed and they are ripped open and he now has access to us and we have access to him through Jesus Christ it was so monumental that the righteous dead people came back to life now listen now if you think about that it's one thing if you died yesterday and you come back to life but grandma had been stinking for a long time I want to know how she got new kidneys. That's what I want to know. I, want, I just want stuff start growing back and flesh started coming back on her nasty bones. That's crazy. That needs to be a Steven Spielberg movie right there. I'm going to make that one day. I want you to picture in your mind, though, how supernatural this is. Because we run past it when we preach sermons and we read Bible stories to our children. He is the God of miracles. In that moment... That last dark hour, Jesus says this. He says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. That statement was what little boys and Jewish boys and girls said every night before they went to bed. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. How we used to pray, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. That's what that... kind of came from this. This was a prayer that all the little kids before they went to bed would pray to the Father. Father, into your hands I commit myself. It's it's a prayer of confidence. Lord, I don't care what happens. If I die in the night, I'm in your hands. If anything terrible happens on this earth, I know that you've got me in the palm of your hand. Jesus Christ was not intimidated. He wasn't scared. He wasn't insecure. In that last moment, he says, Father, I've done it. It's finished. Now into your hands I commit my spirit. I've done my best and my best was all that needed to happen and it changed the world. And so So into your presence, into your hands, I commit everything that I am and everything that I've done. And the Father received him. So he dies on that cross on Friday. Saturday is the Passover. Jesus' body is taken that night and put in a tomb. They put linen cloth around it, prepare it in a, in a quick p- uh, burial preparation. They're going to come back and finish the process, but they need to get him off the cross because if they don't get him off the cross, the Roman soldiers are going to take his body like they did all the thieves and all the criminals, and they would take him off and throw them on the dung pile. they throw them out in the, in the trash heap. And so they go and they grab his body and they put it in that tomb. It gets sealed up. The priest and the, and the leaders of the Jewish folks come and say, we need a seal on that because they're going to try to take his body we po- they posted guards they sealed it the stone was rolled in front of it and it was done Jesus then though his body was dead his spirit then took another approach and on Saturday he went down into the pits of of hell. And in the pits of hell, he began to. Everybody was kung fu fighting. I mean, he went in there and kicked all of their behinds, all the power of darkness and wickedness. He destroyed it. And I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 4 so you can understand I'm telling the truth. It says, When he ascended on high, he led. Captives in his train and gave gifts to men. Remember that? Gave gifts to men. He led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. Remember that? And gave gifts to men. And verse 9 says, What does he ascended mean except that he also descended into the lower earthly regions. So what Jesus did was he went down into the pits of hell, into the power of darkness where there is depression, where there is suicide, where there are all the powers of death and destruction. And Jesus went in there, kicked their tail, took their power from them, take them by the throat and marched them on out of that place. And every belief, every God-servant, he led them captive. He led them out of captivity and what this is is a Jewish uh, this is an ancient uh, understanding what would happen when one group of people would fight another group of people and all the generals and all the warriors of this group of people would go and attack and the way they conquered and and, and and expanded their kingdom was to conquer other little kingdoms and they would fight and so what would happen in ancient history is that a warrior would go forth with his with his army and he would defeat this other country, this other group of people and then he would take the king's And all the royalty and he would tie them up by the throat and tie them to the back of his chariot And he would come into his city and the people would be throwing flowers and clapping because he was a conqueror And then he would come into the inner circle of the city where the big mansion was where the big colonnade was And he would get off of his chariot He would take these conquered foes He would put his foot on their throat and everyone would praise him for destroying this enemy And then all the stuff that they conquered all their gold that they stole, they took from these people All of their houses All of their jewelry All of their cattle He then would take everyone Who fought beside him And he would distribute to each and every one of them What they had conquered Listen to me Those of us that stand beside the Lord We have been given the same gifts to men. Everything he conquered, he's given to us. We can say to depression, get out of here, and it has to go. We can say to darkness, you will not inhabit my children. Let go in Jesus' name. We can say to poverty, I will not have you leave in Jesus' name. And it has to, because he took captivity captive, and he brought it out and ascended on high. This is what he was doing on Saturday while everyone else was sitting around the table. Kumbaya, my Lord. He's down in the pits of the hell And knocking them out And then on Sunday morning Everybody say Sunday morning Morning. You can do better than that Sunday morning Morning. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 1 says it like this And after the Sabbath The dawn of the first day of the week Mary Magdalene and the other Mary Went to look at the tomb At the end of this you need to clap and go crazy It says, And there was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone, and sat on it. That in itself is just cool. He rolled back the stone, and he sat on it, and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Ah! And became like dead men. Verse 5. The angel said to the woman. Here we go. Get ready. Do not be afraid. For I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Bless the Lord. The King of glory. Alive and well. Reigning King. My God. My Savior. My Jesus. In that moment. Everyone, Mary and all the disciples were like, what? He's alive. Jesus did miracles while he was on the planet. Anything he, anyone he could get to, he laid hands on them and they got healed and delivered and set free. At his death, it was so miraculous that the sun stopped shining for three hours. Those who had been holy people who were dead in the grave came alive and walked the streets of Jerusalem. And then at that resurrection... He took Sabbath, and he went down into the pits of hell, and he destroyed and conquered sin, death, and the grave. It has no power over those of us who believe because our Savior has already conquered it, and we fight with our We're on his team. I'm on his team. I don't know what team y'all own. I'm on his team. i do not know what team you all on i am on his team i am with him, and he hands out gifts. I'll take it. Thank you, Jesus. And then he resurrects. To newness of life. He's not a dead God. Every religion in the history of humanity. Every one of its founders. Every one of its, one of its key people are dead and are still dead. Right. Jesus Christ is the only founder of a religion who's alive and well. He is the true Messiah. He is the reigning king. And everyone else is nothing more than a fake attempt at a good copy. And they can't even get close. Jesus is God. And he's my God. He is the God of miracles. Say it with me. The God of miracles. I don't know what you've been through, but I know that he can heal it. I don't know what you're going through right now, but I know he can miraculously change it. I know he can. There are hundreds of people in this church who can testify to that. But I thought I would capture just one more for you. The story of a friend of mine, one of the guys that I love with all of my heart. And we took a moment. We captured his story of the God of miracles. That's Matt Malark right there. Watch this on video for just a moment.
2: Growing up, I had a great, great childhood. I spent a lot of time with my dad, and uh, he, uh, he, he always made time for me. We always played uh, soccer together. My dad played semi-pro in Argentina. He was a really good soccer player, and uh, I wanted to be just like him, so I, uh, I started playing soccer every day, trying to learn from him. But my childhood was great, I would say up until I was about 11 years old. That's when my dad had a job change. All of a sudden, we didn't see him very much anymore. His, uh, his time was dedicated to his work. Kids don't really understand what's going on, they just, uh, just all of a sudden there's a void. And uh, I felt like that was what happened for me. 12 years old when I joined a, a local street gang, started smoking marijuana and doing mm-hmm. cocaine. I lost my virginity at 12 mm-hmm. years old. It wasn't long before um, I ended up mm-hmm. in, in prison. One night I was in my jail cell mm-hmm. and uh, I, I heard him speak to me um, audibly. He said, uh, He said my name. He said, Matthew. I recognized the voice, you know, I recognized it was God. But I remember I sat up in my bed and I started to curse God. And I started telling him, I don't want anything to do with you. I don't want you to speak to me. I don't want you in my life. I just I just want to do whatever I want to do. So I got out of jail. I uh, I went in when I was 14, uh, 14 and a half, and I got out when I was 17. And I went right back to the gang. I started sleeping around again and doing drugs again. and. Uh, one night we're at this party, and one of my, my buddies, you know, he says, hey, man, uh, the girls are coming. They're on their way. When the girls show up, um, there's like three girls, and they were, uh, one of them was 13 years old. When they came in, and I saw how young they were, and I asked one of the girls, I said, how old are you? And she told me she's 13 years old something snapped in me. It was just, I was, I became so angry and I I ran to the dude that invited me, you know, the friend that invited me and I I started choking him. I just grabbed his neck and I started choking him. They pulled me off of him and they actually kicked me out of there and I got out of there, I got in my car and I just, I'm just crying the whole way home. So the next morning I woke up, um, I was hungover because I went and drank my sorrows away that night and I, get in the car and I'm driving and I just thought to myself I said the next car that comes down the road I'm just gonna run into it it'll be a quick death it'll be over and I won't have to deal with this anymore driving down the street and I see a car and I I go over to the next lane and I'm going head-on and this car is freaking out honking its horns at me uh, doing its lights the last three to four seconds I chickened out and I pulled over the side of the road and I just started weeping, just crying uncontrollably. I sat down, I looked up in my car and I said, God, if you're real, if you're real, I need you. If you're real, I need you right now. The presence of God filled filled my car. I, I felt like, I felt like God just grabbed my heart, you know, He just squeezed my heart, you know, he's hugging my heart. And, uh, In a moment, I knew that he loved me, regardless of what I had done, you know, of who I had been, regardless of the path that I had chose. He loved me, um, and he forgave me. Uh, I I decided to go home. I need to go home. So I run home, you know, I'm, I'm driving, I'm speeding home, and I came in and I was crying. I was just crying uncontrollably. And I still remember my dad's face. My dad turned white. I mean, my dad's already kind of light-skinned, but he turned white like a paper uh, because they knew how I was living. So my dad's freaking out. He's saying, what happened? What happened? What happened? And I just ran to him. I just fell at his feet. And I was just sitting there. I grabbed his feet, and I was saying, i just I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And my mother rushes over and she's crying and she hugs me and we're crying. And I just, I'm looking at them and I'm saying, I'm so sorry. I've been so stupid. And my dad, yeah, he grabs my face and he says, He says, It's the moment you chose that way, we had already forgiven you. You know, God is a God of restoration. Um, he restored my relationship with my dad. It was like we were I was a kid again, you know all of a sudden, I was having three hour conversations with my dad again and this time uh you know about the Lord, you know we had Jesus was was what brought us together you know I started serving in the church you know I, I started uh, started working with the youth, became a youth pastor God has been he's just been amazing. Um, he's given me a wonderful marriage, a successful marriage, a loving marriage. Um, I, I adore my wife, and uh, and she adores me. And uh, God has been so good with my business. Uh, I'm a carpenter, and and I sometimes I feel like everything that my hands touch is blessed, and uh, and I, I know it's Him. God has blessed me with three beautiful girls. Um, the greatest treasures that I that I that I have, they're just. They're what I live for, and they know the Lord. They love God. And this is my miracle story.
0: My God, my God, my God, that's something. Would you stand with me all across the room? If you're here today, and you say, Pastor, you, you don't know what, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I'm away from God, man, and you don't know how ashamed I am. I don't think he can fix it. Let me tell you something. He's the God of miracles. See, Pastor, you don't know my heart. I don't even believe that there is a God anymore most of the time. Because I went through this or this has happened. He can fix that too. He's the God of miracles. He said, Well, you know, Pastor, I'll be honest with you. I've I'm so confused. I'm so confused about my sexuality, about what's right, what's wrong. I'm so confused. He can heal that. He's a good God. He loves you. He likes you. It's not an accident that you're here on Resurrection Sunday, so I just just came because my my wife made me. Well, how's God working on your behalf too? Because he tore that veil. He doesn't want anything between you. He does love you. He'd like to have access to your heart again. I want you to bow your heads with me for just a moment. You know, there are folks in this room, you've been away from the Lord, and he's calling you home. He wants to be in relationship with you again. Some of you have never known Jesus. I want to take a moment, and I want to reintroduce you to him. If we were at a party or something, and you're my friend, and then my best friend is standing over there, and I want you to know him, I'll take you, and I'll walk you over to him, and I'll put your hand in his hands, hey, this is my buddy so-and-so, and you guys would start up a conversation, and that would start the relationship. That's what I want to do now. I want to pray for those of you that say, you know what? I've been away from Jesus. Pastor Adam, will you connect me back to him? I will, through prayer. We'll connect back to him. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're not sure that if you die today you'd go to heaven, why, why leave here like that? Why? You say, well, you just don't know what I've been through. I don't. I don't know. But he does. Listen, he doesn't love Matt Molark more than he loves you. He doesn't love Winston more than he loves you. Every person in this room, every one of us have a story of his miraculous power. I shouldn't be here. There are multiple times that I should be dead. He had grace and mercy on me. And he wants to have it on you as well. Please, listen to me. Don't push the Lord away. How about a defining moment in your life happening on Easter Sunday? Why could it not be now? He said, well, because my friends, you know, I don't, they, they, they're not going to believe it. Listen, they, it's not about them. It's about you and him. Today, I'm offering you a relationship with Jesus Christ, the living God, the God of miracles wants to be your best friend with every head bowed and every eye closed if you would be honest and say pastor i'm not right with god i don't i don't know jesus is my best friend but i want that listen to me i love you and i want you to have that relationship i don't want you just to spend eternity in heaven i want you to live this life on earth with miraculous power i want you to know the god of miracles he says that he came to give us life and life more abundantly. I don't understand Christians who are depressed and frustrated and angry at life. I, I don't know what God they're serving, but it can't be my God because He's giving me life. Life, yeah. I go through hard things. Yeah, it's terrible, but He's giving me life. That's what I want you to have. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're away from God, I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, if that's you, would you be courageous enough to admit that by lifting your hand? Ready? One, two, three. Who is that in this room? Say, pray for me, Pastor. God bless you, sweetheart. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. I'm away from God and I want to come home. Thank you for your honesty. God bless you. I see your hand. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, bro. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. Anybody else? About three more seconds. I don't get any notches on my belt because you raised your hand. I just, I want to stand before the living God and I want to be able to say, Lord, I did my best to show Him who you were. Because truly, if you know who God is and you really see the right picture of who he is, surely you won't push him away. That's, that's, that's my concept. Surely, that's how it's got to be. Is there anyone else? Say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm ready to come back to the Lord. I want to be right with the Lord. I see your hands. God bless you. You can put them down. Thanks for your honesty. Amen. It's been tons of us. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, a prayer of repentance. There's nothing magical about the words. What's supernatural is that you said, I I need God. You threw your hand up and said, I want him. I want want God to change me. All the prayer is going to be is just an It's like the period at the end of a sentence. We're going to seal it. We're going to come into relationship with him through prayer, A, a dedication of our life to him. And I'm going to ask everyone in the audience to pray with you guys that lifted your hands. You won't be by yourself. We're going to pray out loud, and we're going to ask Jesus to forgive us. So I want you to repeat it with me like this. Say, Jesus. Jesus. Come out loud. Jesus, Jesus. today, Today. I ask you, forgive me. Wash me clean of all of my sin, of all the junk. I need you, Jesus. I need you to change me. I need you in my life. And here and now, in front of all these people, in front of heaven, I declare, Jesus is my Lord. I ask you to give me strength to serve you. I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Teach me who you are, and I'll serve you forever. Jesus is my Lord. Say it again, Jesus is my Lord. Father, I pray for every man and woman in this room who lifted their hand. I pray right now they would sense forgiveness. Lord, I pray, Lord God, against all the crazy doctrine, all the goofy stuff they heard from some guy at work. Well, now you got to give money to the church, you know, and now you got to do this, and you got to, no, no, Lord, I pray right now, all that would be silenced in their mind, and all they would hear and grasp and understand is that you love them. And that they are yours. And if a tragic accident happened on the way home and they were immediately killed, they would be welcomed into your arms. And with tears coming down your cheek, you'd say, oh, I love you. And I'm so grateful you responded. The last moment you responded, I love you so much. That's what you'll say to them now. Now, Father, I pray. I pray that this church would be a church that knows the God of miracles. Lord, we don't want dead religions. But we don't want to just do services. Lord, I don't want to be a part of a group of people who talk bad about each other. Who, Lord, who can't pray for somebody to be healed because they're so bitter about what happened 20 years ago. God, I don't want to be in churches competing with one another to see who gets to be, you know, in charge of this. Lord, Lord, I just want to be a part of some folks who know the God, who knows the God of miracles. I pray miracles in every one of our lives. Would you lift your hands for just a moment all across the room? I bless you in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask that you would be miraculous in broken relationships. Lord, I pray you would heal marriages. Lord God, I pray right now the God of miracles would respond to the heavy heart of men and women in this room that you would fix broken uh, interactions at work where they go into a violent situation where people talk bad about them, misuse them and abuse. Heal that in Jesus' name. Heal the doubt and the unbelief. Heal the difficulties that we all struggle with with our sexuality. Heal it, oh God. Be the God of miracles, oh God. And Lord, as we celebrate your resurrection, we're celebrating that you were not limited that you weren't killed, you gave your life. And then you, in your own power, resurrected. The Holy Spirit brought you back to life. And you live forevermore at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. And so, Lord, I just ask, be the God of miracles for every man and woman in this room. And all God's people shouted, amen and amen. Come on, say amen and amen. Bless